Hello, this is Howard Jones, and you're watching Life in the TV. Yeah. For the last four decades, synth-pop pioneer Howard Jones has been spreading his positive life messages one beautifully crafted pop song at a time. We caught up with him recently while on tour to talk life, new music, and how he's still energized by the latest digital ways to make music. This is a Life Minute with Howard Jones. Yeah, we're in the middle of an um, American tour, 28 dates. It's going incredibly well. I mean, I was a little bit apprehensive, you know, whether people were ready to come out again after the pandemic. And, you know, I think there's still a bit of that about, but actually the audience has been great and people have been so enthusiastic, you know, to come out and like really celebrate being back together again and sing live music. And so it's it had a real spirit about it, which is amazing. Oh, that's wonderful. Do you notice a new generation of fans coming out? Well, you know, funny you should say that. Yeah, I, I do. There's, there's a lot of younger people turning up at the shows, which is wonderful to see. I mean, I, I, I'm over the moon about that. And I have a song in Stranger Things yeah. uh, in season three. And, you know, it goes on the streaming playlist. And I've seen a huge growth of, of, of young people discovering my music through that. So it's really, uh, you never know what's going to happen in music. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, your music's uh, legendary. It's on every playlist you can imagine, uh, I think, for a lot of people. Tell us, what will fans uh, get to see when they see you play live? Yeah, well, um, with, with this show, it's, um, it's it's a kind of experience, really, because um, there's my full electronic band um, with um, with Nick Beggs on bass, who, who was the kind of lead writer with Kaj Kuku and the bass player. And then on tour with us as well is, is, is Mitch Ewer, who's who does a fantastic set of uh, Ultravox electronic classics and, and his own solo work. So we do a version of Too Shy with, with Nick, because that was a massive hit and everyone knows it and casually we never play live so I get to sing that and then Mitch comes on in my set and we do um, do they know it's Christmas you know from the from from Live Aid and it kind of turns into a bit of an 80s fest really I, I can't I, I really want to, you know I wanted to curate tours where like-minded people and, and similar music to mine yeah. you could bring to the stage you know and it, it's really coming together now Oh, that's great. And tell us about um, your new your new album coming out. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, the album's called Dialogue. It was written during lockdown. Certainly, the music was. I, I didn't. I didn't feel like I could write lyrics whilst we were all separated from each other. And but um, I waited until things started to get a little bit better, and then I wrote the lyrics and made them as upbeat and positive as I could. And you know, we're playing two or three of the tracks. You know, during during our set and seems to be getting a really great reaction because we've only sort of released it single by single on, on streaming and the album comes out fully on in September. But we are able to sell, you know, hard uh, physical copy on the road. So yeah, so I mean, as long as my great, wonderful fans, you know, are liking it, then I'm, I'm at, um, they seem to be very happy so far. Yeah, well, it sounds like you, it's really great. And tell us about um, the, who you really want to be. I think that's interesting right now. It's pretty relevant. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, I suppose it's a song about introspection and going, who would I really like to be? What would I like to do with my life? What would I like to use my life and my energy for? And I think that's such a big question to ask. And once you've got an idea of what that is, it can really help power you, you know, into life. But it's also about, you know, people who don't really do that and they, they sort of sit on the internet and troll people and criticize people and bring them down without actually doing anything themselves. 
and at the same time remaining you know, very anonymous. I mean, I'm very fortunate that I don't really get that myself because um, I'm probably not famous enough to get that. But, <laughs> but, you know, um, but the idea that you would spend your precious lifetime trying to drag other people down seems like such a waste, you know. So, you know, and I'm saying as well that, you know, we have to fight those things and have to educate ourselves and become, you know, really engaged and involved in the world and in our own community and, and things like that. So that's really what the message of the song is. What inspires all of your lyrics and all of those amazing hits? Yeah, well, you know, when I when I started out back in 1983, well, well, that's when I got signed. I mean, I've been playing music since I was seven, but I, I've been playing around the pubs and clubs for about three years with my one-man electronic band. And I thought, you know, what is going to be my my role in, in music, in pop music? And I thought, for me, it's it's about putting out a, a really positive message about, you know, creating a great future for yourself and for everyone else involved in your life and, and the world. And, and not sort of um, surrendering to a negative view of life and becoming, you know, bitter and twisted, if you know what I mean. So I, I thought, well, when people hear my music, I, I, I want it to be that it helps and uplifts their spirits so that they can tackle the problems and tackle the difficulties a little bit more easily because the music is giving them a bit of a, a boost, you know. This is what was my manifesto right at the beginning with that first song. And I tried to keep going with that. And I, fortunately, I think I've done mostly, I've been able to do that. I'm still committed to that today. And you'll see, you know, you'll hear that in dialogue, you know, I believe in you and um, formed by the stars, you know, those tracks. So yeah, so that's, that's what my music has always been about. So you started playing when you were seven, my goodness. Yeah. Were you, did you just pick it up on your own or self-taught? My mum and dad were very keen for me to learn piano, so they arranged piano lessons for me, which I absolutely hated, like all kids do, you know. Oh, what, what, I have to practice, or I want to be out playing soccer or running around with my friends. But, you know, I did I did stick with it. And then when I, I got to the age of 11, and I was always listening to the radio, and I suddenly realised that I could pick out the tunes of some of the songs that I liked. And that was a big, huge turning point then. And I started to then start, you know, making up my own pieces. And although I was doing all this classical music, you know, with my piano lessons on the side, I was, you know, writing my own little pieces and stuff. So it all started there. And I think that, you know, most of my teenage years, instead of doing what most teenagers do, I, I spent <laughs> practicing the piano for hours and hours. It was my escape and my, little haven, you know, playing the piano. And I used to play, I used to practice for four hours a day. You know, it was crazy. I mean, I don't recommend it <laughs> as a lifestyle, um, but it sort of paid off in the end. You know, when I, when I started joining bands and was able to write my own music, I was really glad that I'd done it. And you're sort of like the inventor of electronica. I mean, the, you know, you did it before anybody was really doing it. Did you, like, how did you start doing that? <laughs> well. It was it was very organic because I played piano since I was seven and I was one of the kids like I used to go around to the local Hammond organ shop and hang out in there. I mean, I don't and they used to they very kindly let me play the keyboards. I was just obsessed with keyboards and 
I used to give piano lessons because I was trying, I was earning money. I was working in a factory. I was giving piano lessons when I came home at night. It was crazy. I had 60 students. Um, yeah. And one of them had this like primitive drum machine. It was called a Bentley Rhythm Ace, it's called. And he lent it to me. And I started playing piano against the beats of the, of the drum machine. And I thought, I think I could expand this into like a one-man band uh, with, you know, seat a few sequences and a drum machine and play the bass with my left hand, play the tunes with my right. And that's what I did. I started going out playing in pubs and clubs where, where anybody would, would have me. And it developed, I, you know, people used to come and, you know, I got a following and people started to follow me all around the country. And it was very organic, actually. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm so, you know, so happy that it happened. I mean, I, I guess nobody had done that before with, with equipment that you could buy at your lo local store. You know, that's the thing. It wasn't like bespoke stuff made for me. It was stuff that I could buy at my local music store. Gradually developed this idea and that's where all the songs came from in the first album. That's why, you know, my love for electronic music came organically from that. So neat. How did you get discovered? Very naively, you know, not knowing anything about the music business. I used to go up to London on the train with my cassette recordings that I'd done in my front room of the songs and go into record companies and, and give them to the receptionist <laughs> and, say, and say, oh, you know, could you get this to your A&R man or whatever else? I didn't even know what an A&R man was. And I'm sure that the, the cassettes went straight, went straight in the bin. But, but, I, but I think that making the effort to do that caused other things to happen. And so there was, there was a, a promoter in Aylesbury near me who ran an amazing club called Friars, uh, where every amazing artist you've ever heard of played, you know, Bowie and Boxing Music and all the new bands. And he had a kind of, he knew the people in the, in the big record companies. And so he got my tape to them. Um, and again, nothing, nobody, nobody uh, jumped on it at all, except one guy, a guy called Paul Conroy. And he was on a label called Stiff Records that Elvis Costello was on and Madness were on. And he said, I really get this. And he brought the whole team to my shows and they didn't get it, but he still did. And then he got offered the job at the biggest, you know, biggest record company in the country at Warner Brothers. And he wanted, wanted to take me with him. So I let, ended up with the best possible situation with biggest record label and a team that really, really wanted to break new artists. So it all worked out really, you know, really well for me. But, you know, I, I say this on stage sometimes, it only takes one person to believe in you and you can fly, you know, and that's what happened with me. Are you ever surprised by it? Like when you see everybody playing your songs on, you know, Breaking Bad and Stranger Things and like, does it, do you ever have a moment where you're like, wow? <laughs> Well, I, I, I do, I do, actually I do. I, I go, wow, you know, it's some of those songs I wrote and recorded four decades ago and people are still discovering the music and liking it. And I think, wow, that is like, well, you know, if that's all that happens with my life, I, I mean, that's enough, you know. Um, it's, and especially with a song like Things Can Only Get Better, which is the song that goes, look, when everything goes wrong, you know, don't panic. You can you can get through it and things keep believing that things can get better and they will. You know, keep making the effort and if you make the biggest mistake in the world, it's okay. You can recover from it. You can get you can go forward. And to me, that if I want to, you know, leave a 
a message, it would be that, you know. So relevant. Talk about new age. <laughs> you were so young when you wrote all these songs. Like, how does a young person like that have such deep thoughts? <laughs> how are you so wise? Well, I don't know if I was, I was wise, really. I, I was just going with my heart. I, I read a lot of um, Eastern philosophy when I was, when I was in my 20s and really, you know, like the idea of our connection to everything, our connection to each other, and that we, we don't exist on our own. You know, we are unique individuals, but we're so connected to everyone and that everything we do actually counts and every action we take ripples out into the, into the world. And those ideas really struck a chord with me as I hopefully got more knowledge about those things. And I, I discovered Buddhism and I practiced Buddhism, you know, for I've been doing, practicing for uh, nearly 30 years now. You know, it, 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 it informs my music really. You know, I put, I put those ideas into words that are relevant to our time. That's what I try to do. What were some of your inspirations growing up musically? Oh, wow, so many. My mother listened to the radio a lot, always pop music on the radio. There wasn't a lot of radio at the time, but I heard all the 60s bands like Freddie and the Dreamers and you know, obviously Beatles and the Stones and the Dave Clark Five. So those are the things my mother was listening to as a kid. I'd hear that. My parents used to sing, not professionally, but they used to sing for the love of it. And they used to sing Welsh songs with a beautiful harmonies and things like that. So that was going in. And I was doing my classical piano music. And then I discovered things like Stevie Wonder and Blood, Sweat and Tears and, you know, Emerson, Lincoln, Palmer. People, bands that had great keyboard players, you know, I was really drawn to. And I used to just be like a sponge, Elton John. Anybody who was playing piano or keyboards, I was just sucking it all in. And, you know, it eventually come, comes out in, in your own music. But if you listen to great artists and great music, that informs your brain and helps you to, to compose your own. Uh, any music of today that you particularly like, new artists? Yeah, yeah, yeah there's, there's, there's um, yeah, yeah, there are. There's great artists out there. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of BT, Brian Transo, who is an electronic pioneer, as far as I'm concerned, of, of his generation. And I've had the chance to work with him as well on the last album and this album. Yeah, the, the, those, those are my favourites at the moment. Um, but, you know, if you look at my playlists on Spotify, it, it goes from everything from Welsh choirs to sort of, you know, drum and bass. So the diversity in music. And I think that if you learn the language of the particular genre, then you can really draw something from it, you know, and see why people like that music. It's important to find out because people love that music that may be different to yours, but why do they like it? And if you listen, start listening to it, you start to get it. I, I found that with opera. I used to hate opera. Then I gave it a chance. <laughs> and then I started to like, you know, like the tunes and start getting it wrong. Once you learn the language, you, you sort of, you, you kind of get it. So when you're not working, what's a typical day like look for you? Right, okay, well, recently- You're never I'm, not working. <laughs> uh, recently I've been getting up very early. We have, we have a dog, we have a bearded collie called Dylan and I take him out for, for a walk and he's, he's the most amazing dog. He's like an athlete. <laughs> he's just, he, he can run all day, you know. Um, so, and then I come home and make breakfast, um, and then I do my chanting, my Buddhist chanting, and then, you, you know, often it's straight, you know, straight into the studio, 
to start working on new things. And because um, I think if your work is is being an artist, you have to exercise that thing every day. And I try and do that, and especially physically with your voice, to be singing every day keeps it in good shape. And so I, I do focus a lot on my work uh, when I'm at home. You know, I, I love what, watching all the amazing things like Stranger Things and Severance. And the, the thing is though, I don't really often have a routine because being a musician and an artist, you're always traveling and doing something different, which is what I love. But um, during lockdown particularly, it was very much routine because there's nowhere to go. <laughs> What's something you never travel without? Right, well, I, I always have my, my, my beads and my book to do my chanting wherever I go. So that's the first thing. I've got a couple of pairs of really good headphones uh, so I can always listen to music and shut out the world for a time and get inspiration from the music. You know, I have I have a bottle opener in my bag <laughs> at the point. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm drinking um, zero alcohol beer now, which is, they've made it so delicious that it, it's great. You don't have to, you know, drink the alcohol anymore. What's next for you? It's something you want to do you haven't done yet. I've just got this new piano at home. It's it's called, uh, it's a Steinway and it's, a, it's called a Spirio. And it plays back what you play in. So I can put it into record and then it literally, the keys move. It plays back exactly what you play. And then you can edit it with the iPad that comes with it. So I've composed a lot of pieces for the for the piano with my electronic side, you know. And I can't wait to put to put those back into the piano and record the piano, playing them back. So I'm so excited about this. I can't I can't tell you. Um, my my auntie left me some money, so I was able to justify buying this this beautiful <laughs> new piano. Um, and I think she would have been so happy that I'd done that, you know, so that, that I could make music, you know, with with the money she left me. So um, that feels really, really good. So there'll be a new album with lots of crazy piano pieces on, on you know. Um, so that I'm looking so looking forward to that. And I'm redoing my studio, which has been the same for about 20 years. It really is time to get some new gear in there and refresh it all. And uh, yeah, so. Looking forward to spending time doing that. That sounds great. It's funny when you, you talk to people and it could go either way. You know, some people are like, ah, you, they hate all the new stuff, but you always liked electronics and that is you. So it makes sense that you would like all that new stuff, right? Yeah, yes. I, 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 like, I like things that you feel you can create something that yeah. maybe somebody hasn't really done before yeah. you know being at the front edge of something is very exciting and, and uh, that's really what I, I did when I, you know, we talked about when I started out yeah. um, and when new technologies come along I'm, I'm really I'm really that I I get completely you know taken away with it think oh yeah I can do amazing things with this because <laughs> I can use my programming skills and my playing skills together and you know do that that's so cool. That's amazing. What is, um, since this is Life Minute, any life advice? One of the things that has brought me down is comparing myself to other, other people. And it's such a hard thing not to do. But this would be my, you know, advice really. Don't compare yourself to other people because 
you're unique. You know, there's only one of you. You're not like anyone else. You're this amazing, unique person who's got their own character, their own personality, their own strengths and their own weaknesses that they're probably working so what other people do is great it's what they do and that's brilliant and let's celebrate what they do and if they're really successful that's great but we don't have to compare ourselves to them we, we're doing great the way we are and just be a brilliant the most brilliant form only compete against yourself that's that's you know there's no point comparing because you'll go completely nuts. There'll always be somebody who's sold more records or, or has jumped higher or done more incredible things, but they haven't done them in the same way as you. Only you can do what you do. So that's my advice. That's a great one. I love it. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. Howard, is there anything you want to tell us that we didn't cover? Wow, we've covered such a lot. Thank you so much for that. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing the interview. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for doing it. You have a show tonight, right? Um, no, actually, tonight I'm taking the band and the crew out for dinner. Oh, nice. To thank them for the amazing work they're doing with me. We're going to a Mexican here in New York, so Aww. everyone's everyone's looking forward to it. Oh, that's great. Oh, have a good time. Okay. Have a, a great tour. And great. thank you so much for doing this. Such a pleasure, pleasure. to be with you. Okay. okay, good luck with everything. Good luck with everything right. for you too. Stay well. Okay. Thank you. I will. Thank you. Bye. To see more of this interview, visit our website, lifeminute.tv. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, Life Minute TV.